Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. You are listening to Foul Tips, your weekend podcast to catch you up on the week that was in the world of baseball. Let's do it. Hello and welcome to Foul Tips 14, the weekend edition and all baseball edition of the 1420 Sports Podcast. Four beer sports talk and a whole lot more, but it's all baseball talk tonight. As I'll discuss the American League East and the state of this here's New York Yankees. What a wreck. I got a today in baseball history in my lifetime. Uh, a bit of a homework assignment for all the listeners out there. I uh, got a two-pack for the Rick Ward nominees, and we'll end tonight's show with uh, the top five home runs in Blue Jays history. So let's not waste any more time, and as I like to say, let's get into her. Well, yesterday, with the crushing blow to the Cleveland Indians and a second day in a row uh, to the Cleveland Indians, 11-3 and 11-1 or whatever it was, and... Uh, the, the debacle that happened on Thursday night with the New York Yankees and Gary Sanchez in the pass ball. So losing three out of four to bottom feeder teams, uh, the New York Yankees and me, we hit a, uh, another crossroads of, I guess, uh, bitter Boulevard and reality road uh, with the New York, with uh, Brent Redlinski and the New York Yankees uh, for this season edition. Anyways, um, the fat lady, she's not singing. Uh, it's not over till the fat lady sings, they said, but she, uh, She's humming and warming up in the green room. This team, let's just face facts with facts. They're just not that good. Their pitching's not good enough. They strike out too much. Their defense isn't good enough. Their manager isn't good enough. Their GM is, uh, I think he's past his prime. He lived off some pretty, a uh, lot of glory years back with the, the uh, Jeter days and everything else and the core four and, and the Steinbrenner uh, demanding to win. I'll get into Steinbrenner's in a second here. But they're just not that good. Um, I don't expect a team of all-stars at every, at every position. I don't expect a $300 million payroll. I don't expect uh, them to win a World Series every year. What I do expect, though, is a, a commitment to excellence, I guess, or a commitment to winning. And I don't, I, I don't, I'm not blaming the Steinbrenners at all. I'm blaming the way the team is constructed and I'm blaming Aaron Boone with the way the team just doesn't seem to have a a drive for a night in night out performance. I don't think that Boone's the guy for this group. He's too buddy, buddy. He's too, he's not far enough removed with these, this young core. Uh, I think they're pampered a little bit. Uh, They can do no wrong. And that's today's athletes a little bit different than the guys from back in the day, back in, uh, in my era, get off my lawn, the old guy talking here, but they're just not good enough with like Boone's not the guy for this group. Do they have good players? Yes. Do they have some players that probably shouldn't be there? Yes. But that also comes with some of the contracts they got. You know, you look at yesterday's game with the, uh, the Cleveland Indians it's Monday. I'm recording this Monday, the 20th, I believe it is. And that's when I kind of hung up the, uh, I hung it up for the year. I I have no expectation whatsoever. They had 12 games left and I have no expectation of them making, making the wildcard game. None whatsoever, um, but we'll talk about that in a second. 
Cole, they gave him 30, 35 million, whatever it was, numbered when you get past 20 million, who cares anymore? Um, he went out yesterday and crapped all over himself. He flat out shit his pinstripe pants. He was terrible, and he's the guy that they wanted to have set up for a wild card game in two weeks. If that's a performance that they're, they're, he's going to put out there in a wild card game, what's the point? What's the point? Jump on a plane on Sunday and go wherever you're going, Yankees. That was a terrible performance by a guy making $35 million a year that you got for those big games. And he wasn't good enough. He hasn't been good enough this year. Is it the sticky stuff? I think so. I actually think so. Whether I'm right or wrong, or I, I think it is. He hasn't been great. Um, getting COVID was another thing. The, the whole, not that it's anybody's fault and whatever, but then that set him back and it slowed down. His, uh, he was ramping up a little bit, but I think the sticky stuff was a big reason why Cole was really, really good in Houston. He hasn't been really, really good in pinstripes. He just hasn't. Um, I know I, I harp on that maybe because he does make $35 million a year. I shouldn't do that. It's not his fault. Somebody offer, offered me $35 million. I would take it. It's not anyone's fault for what they make. They got Somebody offered it to him, so he took it. But there is a higher expectation when you make that kind of money. Um, he crapped him, he crapped his pinstripes. He, he really did. When, a, when you go into a game and your team needs you to, to get a win, you have three starts left this season, and that's the performance that you give against the Cleveland fucking Indians at home. Gross. Absolutely gross. Giving up. Like, you've you seen it in the game yesterday when he, he hit the second batter, I think it was. The game was over. He, can't, on own, uh, he was up 0-2 and hits a guy. That you knew he was going to keep shitting himself and diarrhea and violent diarrhea. It turned out to be, it wasn't good. Cole was terrible. And that's the season, the Yankee season in a nutshell. Then you go back to Thursday night against the Baltimore freaking Orioles, who somehow the Yankees lose eight out of 19 games. Eight out of 19. Yeah, you're about 500. It's a terrible team. But you, you win, you win seven of those that you lost. You're battling for a division title. Not a wild card spot. They'd be clear sailing, but no, you go out and shit yourself on a wild pitch because Gary Sanchez forgets how to play baseball. The management decides to, hey, or the, the, the coaches, let's alter this guy's catching stance because he doesn't frame the ball properly. Catching the ball is very important. Catching the ball is more important than framing a pitch. If you're chasing the ball to the backstop, it's not a strike. And it happens more often than not with Gary Sanchez. He came out in 2016 or 17, whatever year it was, I think it was 16. Um, El Kraken, that's a stupid name for a hockey team anyways. Kraken was, he was, came out, new catcher, hitting home runs, blah, blah, blah. He's hitting above the, just above the Mendoza line, strikes out a ton and doesn't hit home runs. And you know what? He can't catch. When your position is catcher and you don't catch, you're just a back. And nobody sees their back. I don't know what that even meant, but it made sense to me off the air. DJ didn't have a good year. He was average, but you couldn't expect him to keep up those numbers that he got. He got, he got a big contract, so he doesn't, not, he doesn't care. But, you know, maybe that, that weighed on him a little bit. You, you got uh, Hicks, Aaron Hicks, who hasn't played much in two years, $10 million center fielder. He never plays. When your best player is the last week and a half been Brett Gardner at 39 years of age, what do you expect? Um, so there it is. Bitter Boulevard and Reality Road. They're not that good. They're just flat out not, they're, they're not that good. 
The uh, and I don't know about next year. We won't get into that. But you know, it's got a, a big future. The Jays with the way they're rolling. Um, Bichette and the, I think was going to be the MVP of the, of the league. He's the, the best hitter by, and it's not even close. Uh, hopefully, he wins the home run title. But you got you got Vladimir Guerrero Jr. who's just tearing the cover off the ball night in, night out. Um, he's a great, great player. The Jays they're pitching well. Uh, Robbie Ray reused out, I believe with an injury on uh, Saturday after his start there. Uh, they're in, in tough tonight in Tampa. It's Monday night where I'm recording this. Uh, he, they're in tight. They're five. They're, they're down 5-2 right now, but I think they'll be okay because they got a bunch of games from Minnesota and a few with Tampa. Uh, not Tampa, sorry, with uh, Baltimore. So they, they'll, they'll win nine of their last 12. Uh, the Yankees won't. Uh, Oakland won't. So I think you're, you're going to see a Boston and a – Toronto wildcard game, which would make me happy if Toronto were to win that game, not only for my disdain for Boston, but I have talked in the podcast a number of times how great baseball is in Canada or how much better it is in Canada when the Jays are relevant and the Jays are involved in playoff games. People get behind it. People go out to bars, although here in Alberta, there's a, there's a, there's a situation going on here. If, uh, if you guys haven't heard that, if you don't have your vaccination cards, you can't go out. And so there's, it's, we won't talk about that a whole bunch, but so bars may, may not be as full as uh, with the uh, screaming Jays fans because of uh, anti-vaxxers. I don't care, whatever. Baseball's still better when the Jays are relevant in Canada, and I hope the Jays do. If it's not the Yankees, the wild card uh, game, wild card spot, I hope it's the Jays, and I hope they can't come out ahead. Anyways, 1420 podcast and foul tips. We passed a, uh, a milestone. We hit the 15,000 downloads and listens and all that, Mark. Yes, so thank you very much. To everyone who's listened to the show since day one, last uh, August, I guess it was, and everybody who's followed us from day one and all the new listeners, keep talking to people about the show. We, we really appreciate the support we get. We'd like a little more, obviously, but I'm not going to beg. Let's we'll try to get to our content a little better to attract more listeners. And uh, by you guys spreading the good word of the show, the 1420 Sports Podcast and the, and the Foul Tips Weekend Edition, uh, Jim, the producer, uh, who does the sound and the music for the show and my co-host during the week, uh, Dave, who's uh, been a, a great help. We, we put a lot of, we have a lot of laughs at uh, other people's expense. We don't know who's listening, but for those who do listen, they, we've had some great feedback about the show. So make sure you guys talk to people about the show and we'll keep uh, trying to improve everything and get more content out to you guys. Uh, we got some interviews coming up with some different people. Cause I know you guys get tired listening to my voice, but uh, we're getting, uh, we're getting a little more involved as we get into our second year of this. We're figuring out how to do everything. So it's been a lot of fun. Anyway, 1420 sports podcast and foul tip. We are everywhere. You get your podcasts. One thing I'm going to do, I've been uh, in medicine hat working this week, uh, COVID central. So I've spent a lot of time in the hotel room. So I might do it tomorrow night, but the baseball season is going I don't have a lot of uh, time on my hands at night. Uh, anyways, over the weekend, I'm hopefully going to uh, tune in. I hope you guys do the same thing to the uh, Mets documentary about the 1986 New York world champion New York Mets that beat the uh, the Boston Red Sox with the Bill Buckner play at first base. We all know that that play, everything else. But um, one once upon a time in Queens, I'm a little intrigued by this one because I've been to New York a few times. I have not been to uh, to Queens to watch the Mets play, but I, I, I intend on doing that very soon once this madness is over and everything is going on. But the, that that Mets team was something else back in the, the early the, the mid eight mid to late eighties. They should have won more than the one World Championship. 
They got the one in 86, like we just said, but we all know the trials and tribulations of Dot Gooden and Daryl Strawberry and their cocaine problems. And Strawberry's, he's all good now, but Gooden's still struggling a little bit and finds himself with run-ins in the law. Uh, the story of Gooden uh, missing the uh, the parade, the World Series parade, because he was in a, I don't know, but crack house is the proper term, but a crack house, I guess, uh, on cocaine and everything else. And uh, not a good situation that Doc was through. But he was an all. He could have been an all-time great. And he, he. Uh, I heard a good interview with him not too long ago about how he thinks he's a better pitcher than most of the guys are now. He just ran into problems, and I, I think he was probably right. He was such a dominant force in the age of 19 on, and even when he was later on, he was semi clean and sober and got a, a pitch of no hitter for the Yankees. On his, his dad was on his deathbed, and uh, it's a great story baseball wise, but. Uh, the tragic life of Dwight Gooden. It's uh, I don't know if tragic's the right word, but the uh, the tragic baseball life of Dwight Gooden. Um, it's well documented. It's a good story. Anyways, the uh, the Mets were great, uh, top to bottom. They were a gritty team. They're a rough team. They were uh, played hard on, on the field and harder off the field. I, I want the people to uh, who's listening to, to the show give it a watch this weekend or or throughout the week. We'll talk about it on next week's uh, foul tip show. Because I think that that team is um, pretty revered in baseball lore, especially people of my vintage who uh, remember that team very well. There's a lot of Mets, Mets fans who came out of that because of guys like, well, you had Dwight Gooden, Doc, uh, Bobby Ojeda, uh, Jesse Orozco, who had a great career. Orozco was around forever, uh, Native American, I believe, um, but left-hander, crafty left-hander, had to run with the Dodgers. I believe with the Cleveland Indians, he was everywhere. He played, he pitched everywhere. One inning, sometimes one batter. The rules are different now, but Jesse Orozco, he'd come in, great big wad of chew in his mouth. He'd be, uh, he'd have that one batter, a couple of batters in, out. What a career that guy had, man. If someone someone would have told me I could have done that for a living for how many years he played, I, I, I'd sign, sign me up. That would have been a great time living in the bullpen. Then you had Gary Carter, the kid, catching. Wasn't very well liked on the team, apparently. Uh he was a very hard-nosed guy, uh, not a party guy, but the Mets were a party team. Uh, from what I've read, uh, Carter wasn't a, a, a team guy, per se. He played to win, and he played hard. Wasn't very well-liked by some of the younger guys. I could be wrong. If I'm wrong, please correct me, because I, I, I've been wrong before. Um, another guy, Roger McDowell, uh, I think he's been become more famous from the uh, – the, the great the magic loogie on that Seinfeld episode to deal with Newman and Kramer and everything else the Roger McDowell spit in, in, in uh, who was it? Keith Hernandez's face. Uh, Keith Hernandez. He's still with the Mets on, on the uh, picks 11 and the Mets telecast. Uh, great player. Ray Knight. We all know of him um, because of the Mookie Wilson uh, hit down first baseman, first base of Buckner missed uh, all these names. You just Lenny Dykstra, Another guy who ran into to a lot of uh, legal problems, uh, money problems, and everything else. Just not a good guy. Um, just, but great player, gritty player, hard nosed player. Played it for, for the uh, for the oh, who am I thinking? The Philadelphia Phillies for a long time as well. A uh, hell of a player, left hander, gritty. Um, Ricky Henderson type, but not as fast, but gritty. Good, good player. But so, anyways. Let's uh, everybody let's let's watch that uh, documentary, Once Upon a Time in Queens. We'll, I'll give my opinions. You guys give yours. It'll be a two week deal. How we're going, going to, to attack this? But uh, give me your thoughts on One Night in Queens on our our Twitter accounts. I, I got a Foul Tips account. We have the fourteen twenty uh, Twitter account. 
I'll put it out there, put the question out there, and then uh, also on Facebook and Instagram, everywhere else, or email me at uh, 1420sports at gmail.com. We'll discuss once upon a time in Queens. I'm really looking forward to this one. I know very little about it. I've heard snippets on some other podcasts about it, but uh, I want to watch it, get my own opinions. And I also want your guys' opinions about how the, uh, what, what your thoughts are on the 86 Mets and this great documentary. Foul Tips 14, the uh, weekend edition of the 1420 Sports Podcast, the all baseball edition of the 1420 Sports Podcast, my solo effort uh, on the show. Something I like to do uh, week in, week out is go through things that uh, this week in baseball in my lifetime, I like to go through things that uh, and read. Uh, there's a couple of websites that I go on and I read some. Uh, I remember that one. I remember that one. And this and that. Some I don't remember. Some, sometimes I pretend to remember them. And I misremember them, as uh, Roger Clemens would say in his uh, in his hearings about the uh, the steroid era, misremembered. Talking about Andy Pettit, but anyways, we'll get it another day. But anyways, here's one. People talk about Sammy Sosa and um, Mark McGuire saving baseball um, after the the strike of '94, I think it was. But I think it started a little bit before that with Cal Ripken with the, uh, the streak and beating Lou Gehrig and everything else. And, and the uh, romanticism of baseball, I guess you could say, or some people say uh, the younger listeners might not know what that even means the romanticism of baseball. But uh, to me, Rip can save baseball and brought people who didn't watch those two magical nights in uh, October when he was, uh, he would run or September, sorry, he was running around the field, high five everybody the night he tied Gehrig the night he beat Gehrig. And then, but anyways, um, it was sad to see this one end, but today in baseball history, in my lifetime in 1998, Cal Ripken said this, let's end it in the same place it started, in my home state, in front of friends and family, in front of the best fans in the world. Cal Ripken Jr. Com- commenting on uh, ending his consecutive game streak. Uh, it was his decision to come out of the game or to, to not go into the game, and he sat on the bench, and uh, you know it's a long time gone. But anyways, after nearly 16 years of not missing a game, Cal Ripken Jr. quietly and without fanfare takes himself out of the lineup after playing in, in a major league record 2,632 consecutive games in a nationally televised ESPN Sunday night game. The Orioles shortstop consecutive streak ends when Baltimore drops a 5-4 decision to the Yankees at Cannon Yards. Um, yeah, all-time great, no doubt about it. Cal Ripken, nothing but class, uh, did things the right way, played hard, didn't need a, uh, a me night or a, a, an off day, uh, probably needed some here and there, but uh, he's built differently. I mean, that, those kind of guys, just, uh, it's an anomaly, obviously, not, not guys, many guys play that, that many games total, let alone that many years in their, in their career uh, consecutively, but there was no me days and off days and everything else. Guys need a, a day to, because they're a little nicked up. Ripken did it the right way. Because you know what? There might have been some kid or some parent who saved enough money to go to a game uh, once a year. And if Ripken wasn't playing, it would have been disappointment for the people in Baltimore. Or if you were in from Seattle and the, the Orioles go there once a year, and if Ripken wasn't playing, it would have been disappointment. And uh, that means a lot, I think, to fans and to, uh, to people about the game. That, you know what? There might be someone who can go once a year. And if that player ain't playing, it would be a disappointment. I mean... It would be, uh, it would have been really shitty to be the 
your one game a year or your one game of your lifetime when you saved up enough money or whatever it is, or you travel across the country to see somebody play and, and he didn't play because he's a little nicked up. Uh, Ripken didn't do that. And for that, thank you very much, Kyle Ripken Jr., for everything you did for the game of baseball when it needed it the most. Thank you very much. Anyways, 1420 podcast. We're going to come back right away with the, uh, the Rick Award nominees for this week. This, this week's Rick Award nominees for the coveted Rick Award, the tribute to the uh, most electrifying, exciting baseball player we think here at the 1420 Podcast in baseball history, uh, Ricky Henderson. Uh, number one nominee for this week, Salvador Perez, catcher and what seems like all-around good guy, um, Salvador Perez, uh, surpassed. The Rick Award nominees this week for uh, the most the coveted Rick Award uh, in a tribute to Ricky Henderson, the most electrifying baseball player to ever play the game, Hall of Famer and all-around all stud, Rick Henderson. Anyways, the two nominees this week, uh, number one, Salvador Perez, catcher and all-around, what seems like all-around good guy, catcher for the Kansas City Royals, surpassing Johnny Bench for most home runs by a catcher in uh, Major League history in a season. Uh, funny little story here. They weren't both guys don't, didn't have all their home runs as catchers. Some, sometimes they played first base, sometimes they're DH, sometimes they played outfield. They then asked around. I, I don't know the exact stats, but not all of their home runs were as a catcher. So the record is kind of tainted. But, anyways, we'll give the uh, Rick Award nominee number one to Salvador Perez, all around good guy and catch for the Kansas City Royal, Royals for nominee number one. Nominee number two, Eddie Rosario uh, for the Atlanta Braves. Hit for the cycle yesterday against the San Francisco Giants, the playoff-bound San Francisco Giants. He uh, did it, hit four hits. And the th amazing thing in it is on this uh, cycle, the second for the Braves this, se this season, uh, the other guy was Freddie Freeman. But anyways, Eddie Rosario only took five pitches to get his four hits. Uh, didn't waste any time. Get in, get up. Get it in, get it up, get it up. Don't mess your hairdo kind of deal. So he went in there, four hits on five pitches to hit for the cycle. So there's our two nominees. You got Salvador Perez for the Kansas City Royals and Eddie Rosario for the Atlanta Braves. Vote at uh, award underscore Rick. We'll repost it on the 1420 podcast uh, podcast account or Twitter account, sorry. The Powell Tips account. We'll transfer it over to Facebook and Twitter and everything else and make sure everybody votes. Vote once, share it with everybody else, because the Rick Award, very coveted. There's been a lot of uh, great players who won it, but like I said before, Sauron Perez for the Royals, and Eddie Rosario for the Atlanta Braves. Uh, I'm going Rosario, cycle on five pitches. That's my pick anyway. Vote often, and uh, we'll uh, next up, we're going to talk about the uh, top five home runs in Blue Jays history. Before we get the uh, top five Blue Jays uh, home runs in their history, the a little update: the Yankees won tonight. They uh, gained a game on the Toronto Blue Jays. They lost in Tampa. You got Oakland, Seattle playing each other right now, so they'll those games will catch each other out. But anyways, and Boston didn't play, so the wild card is uh, tightening up. The Yankees aren't done yet; they're not going to make it. The, the Jays will be there. You heard it here first and on foul tips. But anyways. We get to the uh, top five home runs in Blue Jay history. Um, it's pretty obvious what number one is, I think. Um, for excitement level in 
recent memory that number two is a close first for me. I might get a lot of pushback, but winning a World Series is the number one. But anyways, we'll start with number five. Probably my favorite Blue Jay ever. He tied the game up in the first game that was played, the first World Series game that was played outside of the States uh, in Toronto, nonetheless, in front of 51,813 fans. Like I said, the first game, World Series game outside the United States in Toronto at the, I guess it would have been a year or two old Sky Dome back then. I still call it the Sky Dome. In the eighth inning, uh, Kelly Gruber, like I said, my favorite Blue Jay, great play, gritty, gritty player. Uh, that should have been a triple play called in that game. He dove back. The, Devon White made the catch at the wall. Um, phenomenal play. Threw it to Gruber, didn't tag, whatever, anyways. But um, to me, Gruber's uh, game tying home run in the eighth off of Steve Avery is my number five home run in Blue Jays history. A walk to Gruber in the fifth, the only walk thrown by Avery tonight. Payoff pitch. Well hit down the left field line. Sanders watching it go. Home run, Kelly Gruber. Number four, recent history, 2016, I got Edwin Encarnacion. I like Eddie. The, the parrot thing I didn't like so much, even when he got traded to the Yankees, or the Yankees little run he had there. I was never a big fan of the parrot thing. It was a hit across Canada, so whatever. It brought fans to the stands, and people liked it. I wasn't a big fan of it. It doesn't matter what I think. It's just, uh, you know, it's my podcast, and so I can say what I want sometimes. But uh, I go Eddie Encarnacion, 2016 wildcard game versus – the Baltimore Orioles show Walter didn't go with Zach Britton his closer time because you know you don't have a lead don't put your closer in but you know if you're not winning the game you, you can't you can't win the game it, it's 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 ridiculous he went, went with uh Ubaldo Jimenez who's seventh pitcher of the game for the Orioles but anyways that home run that Eddie hit the place went crazy um Eddie was great the, that 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 Blue Jays team was really really good and it's too bad they didn't didn't win one uh, it's been a long time, but that Blue Jays team was really good. So that uh, home run, extra innings to top it off. So maybe that could have been a little bit higher up in the list. But uh, I'm going to say for sure the number four home run in Blue Jays history, Eddie Encarnacion, game, wild card game, Baltimore Orioles, 2016. Even though they've turned a lot of double plays. Oh! My number three home run in Blue Jays history is Robbie Alomar in the 1992 ALCS off Dennis Eckersley. Um, the A's were automatic, or Eckersley was automatic. Cy Young Award winner, MVP, the whole bit. The Oakland was 81 wins, 81 and one when they led, led going into the ninth inning. Eckersley was automatic. Um, the inning before Eckersley came in the eighth, he did the uh, the fist pump strike. I can't Ed Sprague, I think it was. Uh, in 1992, I don't know how I remember that. But anyways, the uh, Alomar came up, struggled a little bit off of uh, off of Eckersley, as everybody did. Came up with the guy on down. They were down six one at one point. The Jays were um, 
Alomar came up and hit a home run, a two-run shot to tie the game that propelled the, the Jays to go to uh, – they ended up winning in the eighth – in the 11th inning, sorry. Um, and they went up 3-1 in the series. And as we know, they went on to win the World Series in 1992. Um, Eckersley was so automatic, and that game should have been over by all uh, analytic statements. But you know what? You still got to play the game no matter what the nerds say. And Eckersley was the guy – he was a bit flamboyant on the mound. He gave the uh, the the fist pump and the gun that it was the, the Jays were going to be done. But that, that home run that Alomar hit, smooth swing. Uh, I don't care what Alomar's done. I don't I don't care uh, what Alomar's done in the recent history. Uh, shouldn't overshadow what he did as a Blue Jay. Uh, probably the greatest Blue Jay ever, in my opinion. Uh, hell of a player. Great on great defensive player. But Robbie Alomar, my number three home run of all time in Blue Jay history, goes to him on that October day in 1992. And the Toronto bench out of the dugout. I think we all number, know what number two and number one are. It's uh, pretty hard to dispute these things. I'm kind of partial to the number two being number one. We'll get a lot of pushback because it wasn't for a World Series. But the way number two is, and I'll, I'll just I'll succumb to the fans' thoughts on this, but Jose Bautista, the bat flip home run in the 2015 ALDS against uh, the Texas Rangers, that game was so great, and you go with the – what was going on? The crazy call that Dale Scott got right when the when Russell Martin threw the threw the ball, hit the batter's bat, bounced around, and everything else was the right call. Um, the, the fans throwing stuff on the field, which isn't cool. Don't throw stuff on the field; it's not cool. And beer's expensive. Drink it and put it down. Beer's expensive at, at Skydome. Really, really expensive. And they're king cans. They're going to hurt somebody down below. So don't throw beer. If you learn anything from foul tips, do not throw beer onto the field, please. Drink it responsibly and enjoy it. Anyways, Bautista came up, and like I said before in the podcast, I wasn't a big fan of the bat flip, but it's kind of grown on me, the excitement of the game, the the way it came about, the the moment, the thing, the fans, the, the way that the, the, the season was going to that point and how great the Jays were coming from nothing, and they won how many in a row or how many out of how many. It was great to see baseball back in Canada, not just in Toronto, but right across the country. And I hope we get that again soon, as long as not at the Yankees' expense. But anyways, I got Joey Bats, Jose Bautista. I can't stand the guy. He's a piece of garbage. But anyways, that's my opinion. I'm entitled to it. It's my show. But anyways, uh, Bautista, uh, the home run, seventh inning, to uh, put the Jays ahead. It was a great moment in not just uh, Jays' history, but I think in baseball history, especially in the last 20 years. But uh, Jose Bautista is number two in my uh, all-time Blue Jay home runs.
And of course, number one, I kind of gave it away right off the start of the top five, which is a bad top five. But anyways, we'll get better at these as the uh, as we progress. But uh, of course, Joe Carter at home and the Sky Dome off Mitch Wild Thing Williams, 1993. as a Saturday night. I was on a bus playing with the Bonneville Pontiacs going to St. Albert. I believe we played in Olds that night. We're on a next day. We we're going to uh, St. Albert, but we've somehow rigged something up with some coat hangers, anything else to catch on the on the bus. Um, it's way before Wi-Fi, kids. So, anyways, uh, Mitch Williams, wild thing, phenomenal closer. Just uh, left one inside, and uh, Joe Carter, he tattooed it, and he'll uh, never hit another one quite like that. Uh, I did some research on Joe Carter. Uh, we won't talk about that right now. Apparently, he's not as good of a guy as people think he is. But Joe Carter, that was your night. It was a great night for baseball in Canada. Uh, had a friend at the game. I still have yet to see that ball leave the field. Uh, the different cam- the camera angle was weird. I don't know where that ball landed. I know it was over the left field wall. People are going to text and call and email and Twitter and stuff. But uh, it's a great moment in Blue Jays history. I remember, um, what was the catcher's name? Pat Borders coming out, still with his catcher's gear on. Big water to his mouth, the, the, the fist pump down the line as he did it. He wasn't jumping around like everybody else was, but uh, it was a great moment in Blue Jays history, a great moment in Canadian baseball history. So there it is. My number one home run in Blue Jays history goes to uh, Joe Carter to win the World Series. Joe has had his moments. Two balls and two strikes on him. Here's the pitch on the way. A swing and a belt. Left field. Way back. Blue Jays win it! The Blue Jays are World Series champions as Joe Carter hits a three-run home run in the ninth inning, and the Blue Jays have repeated as World Series champions. Touch them all, Joe. You'll never hit a bigger home run in your life. Well, there it is. Another foul tips up in the books. Jimmy, thank you very much for staying up so late on a uh, on a school night for you, 9 o'clock here in Alberta. It's a school night for me, too. Uh, election night in Canada. Crazy day in, in Alberta with the, the new COVID restrictions and everything else. Be kind to each other. It's nobody's fault out there. You have your beliefs. I have mine. But you know what? We can always be kind to each other. And, you know, whatever happens in the election tonight, we still got to be a cohesive unit throughout this country tomorrow. So like I always say, take care of each other. But more importantly, take care of yourself to meet year-round. But you know what? Take care of each other tonight, please. Uh, don't be mean to everybody because it's uh, just because someone voted differently than you did. Someone has different ideas than you do. Because you know what? None of us are right. None of us are wrong. We just have our ideas. So take care of each other. But more importantly, take care of yourself. So you need year round. Keep your stick on the ice. Jimmy, don't swing at high pitches. Don't swing at high ones. Foul tips, 14 in the books. Make sure you guys listen to uh, the 1420 podcast. Whatever you get your podcast. We'll talk to you again, uh, hey, tomorrow night. Bye now.